Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Introductory thought. If there were such a thing as a miraculous power of God button that would release God's goodness and miracles and help into a situation, how quickly would you push it? (laughs) I'd be like, on it, right now. How regularly would you, if if there really was a miracle, miraculous miracle button where when you did that, then God would bring his will into the life, how often would you push it? I'd be like all over that thing. I've got a friend who has cancer, and right now, every, everything, every bit of news that we're getting is bad. And I would, I'd go for that miracle button. Um, got another friend who has been in a season of uh, financial uh, stress. And it's, and She's not in financial stress because she's not trying hard. I mean, how do you know there's a, like she's working uh, two jobs, she's trying to figure out, you know, she's trying to be faithful what she does has. That, that's different than like someone who's in financial, they should be in financial stress, but basically they're just financially in a couch. They're just sitting there and can't figure out why they can't pay their bills. That's a different I won't talk to you, right? Like if you're just sitting there going, I can't believe I can't pay my bills. Well, you might want to get out of the chair. That's a different. But when you see someone who like, they're working really hard and it's still, then I'm like, man, I would push that button for them and get that, get that going. Maybe some of you, there'll be different things that'll come up in your life, in your personal life, or where you would immediately say, oh, I need a miracle here. Or maybe one of these days your kids will come to you, your daughter will come to you, parents, and, and say, I'm going to go on my first date Friday. And you'd be like, where's that miracle button? I want to make sure that God's in the, right? No? Yes, you would. You'd be like, I'm pushing couple thoughts. One, I wish it were that easy. I wish there was just a miracle button that you could just push. But I would also then, second thought, is I would submit to you, the closest thing that we have to that is prayer. Best thing we can do is pray. My favorite quote on prayer from a theologian, Charles Spurgeon, says, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. Has anybody heard that quote before? Nobody? Anybody? Is anyone here? Just acknowledge that at least we're all in the same room, in case I'm dreaming. Okay, yeah, we're all here. Isn't that a kind of a cool prayer? That's a cool picture. Like, you know, prayer is the slender. Okay, I guess maybe it's just good for me. We'll go on to the scripture, which might be good for all of us. There are countless examples of the miraculous happening, God intervening in situation, and most of the time, prayer, I think I would say most of the time, prayer is connected to it. In 1 Kings chapter 18, a great story of God, God sends fire from heaven down into the midst of a religious sacrifice, 
in front of a whole bunch of people, and at the end of the experience, a whole bunch of them all of a sudden believe in God. They're like, okay, yeah, okay, he's God. We believe in God. Okay, we get it. He's God. Well, if you read that account just prior to the fire coming, the prophet Elijah, it says he stepped forward and, and he prayed. It's part of the picture. There's a few examples of Jesus feeding a massive group of people with just a small, with a couple loaves of bread and a few fish. And in the account in Matthew 15, it says he told the crowd to sit down on the ground and he took the seven loaves and the fish and when he had given thanks. To me, that connects to when he prayed. In Luke 5:15 it describes crowds of people came near to to hear Jesus came to hear Jesus and to be healed of their sicknesses that's the power of God miraculous things are happening but then right after that it describes one of the keys to it it says but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he prayed. We would, Jesus would not have done the things that he did, could have done. Prayer is just part of the deal. So hold that thought. We're in a series called Missing Pieces, trying to rediscover the essentials of genuine faith. And you cannot, at least I thought, you cannot do a series on the essentials of faith and not talk about prayer. And so we're going to explore probably the most famous teaching on prayer. It's where Jesus introduces the ideas that ultimately become the Lord's Prayer, which some of us have heard, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Does that ring a bell? Right? Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is. So this is, now the words that we're going to see today are not exactly the same as the Lord's Prayer you may have memorized, but from these words of Jesus, people put together, put, put together the entire Lord's Prayer. So when you read it, like when we read it, don't go, wait, wait, these are the wrong words. These are the right words. It was just developed into what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. So the context is, is my, my understanding of it, the disciples have been watching Jesus do these amazing things now for months, probably years, all right? And they're also putting together, okay, wait, 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 wait. So like he healed the sick and he did these miracles and they've also watched him consistently, back from the Luke 5 text, Jesus regularly went to lonely places and prayed. So I think, this is me, I think they're going, I want to learn about this prayer thing. And so it says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, here's the way I imagine it, Lord, Teach us to pray. <laughs> right? Like, give, give me some of it. Teach it. How do you? I want this seek, I want the secret sauce to this helping people, right? I don't think they said secret sauce. I think that's a kind of a now thing, but so he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, and here we go, right? Father hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, 
Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Title of the talk is Teach Us to Pray, Lessons from the Lord's Prayer. And I'm going to give you three points this weekend. Ah! How many of you are nervous that we might be here too long? Because I'm a two-point guy, but we're going to do three. So you're going to have to listen quickly. Are you ready? You're going to have to pay attention. If you don't pay attention, you'll be here till like 4 o'clock, and you'll miss every football game you want to watch. If you do not pay attention, I'm not going to let you leave. So act like it's all making sense quickly, and we'll be out of here in a few minutes. I'm going to give you three points on how you can pray powerfully. While we even pray about this, be thinking of a situation. Maybe you'd, you know, like, we need God's power in that. It could be in your life or a friend's life. Let's pray. God, help us. Most of us have in our own lives or lives around us, we'd like to have some powerful prayer. Whether we're just getting started in our prayer life or maybe we've got a pretty well-established prayer life, will you bump us up today so that in the future our prayer life will be better for the rest of our life, whether we live another three years or 30 or 80 years. Increase our, teach us how to pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to talk about three things. The first thing is a powerful prayer life starts with God's relational title, his relational title. In our text, Jesus says, after they say, teach us to pray, he says, well, when you pray, say, Father. Start with Father. By the way, there's two different words there in the original language. There's the say, Father. And it's almost, or I think it actually is, it's a pretty clear command. Jesus was not just coming up with an optional title. I think he's saying, no, I want you to say or start with Father. Um, how many of you know there are a lot of other titles you could use for God when you start to pray? I found one place where it listed over a hundred different titles or names for God. Here's a few of them on the screen. These are the ABCs of God's possible titles. I whittled them down to here. Right? So you could, and you wouldn't be wrong, you could start with calling God advocate or almighty or alpha or author and perfecter of faith, bread of life. You see, they're all in the, isn't that cute? They're all in the ABCs. Bread of life, bridegroom, comforter, consolation of cornerstone, deliverer, deliverer, Emmanuel. All those are names of God. You could call, just say God up in the upper right. Holy One of Israel, I am, Jehovah, Omega, Redeemer. Those are all valid titles for God. So here is the, well, first of all, here's the fill in the blank. We could start our prayer with many things. But Jesus taught us to call God Dad. We could say Almighty. You could say Jehovah. You could say Prince of Peace. And then you could start your prayer. He says, start, say Father. And so here's where my mind went. Why? Why did he say that? And now we don't know exactly what was in God's heart, when, in Jesus' heart when he said that, but here's three ideas that came to my mind. Why say, why start your prayers with Father, this, this, this relational title? I'm going to give you three ideas. The first one is, 
when we, the, the word father affects our prayer consistency. It affects, if we're starting with father, it affects how often we probably go to him in prayer. Here's, I'll try to illustrate it. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and um, just, they may just share with you, uh, when they start talking about family, they may say, yeah, I haven't talked to my dad in six years. Have you heard that? That kind of thing? And here's what happens for most of us if we just hear that. We, um, we end up knowing in our brain, we go, wait, wait, there must be something wrong there. Because you shouldn't not have talked to your dad for six years. Does that, are you sort of kind of with me? Even if someone says, or it could be not just dad, it could be mom, it could be, you know, I haven't talked to my mom in a year. Something in us goes, well, you just, what? You should be connecting with your parents. You should be connecting with your father. You should be connecting with your mother. Now, I want to, and so here's the hope, I think, when Jesus is saying, call him father, it's so that we'll make sure that we're connecting regularly. A little side note. In life, sometimes the more mature we get, the less we depend on or talk to our parents in life, right, as you, as you grow. But here's what I'd tell you. Spiritually, we never, uh, we never become, we're always God's kids. He's the father, we're always the kids. Can I interject a story that I thought of? I just need one person to say yes. Okay, thanks, because it's not in my notes. Right there. There is no point where it says, and now tell the story. So I'm just going to say it anyway. But it came to me yesterday. I was driving uh, up into Michigan. I was going to do this thing, speak at a, at a young adult retreat that we're having this weekend. And I drove on this road, and I was reminded of an experience I had probably 25 years ago. I was driving a truck then because we were just getting the church started. I'm driving along, flat-nosed box truck, you know, like this kind of a thing, up into Michigan to deliver some stuff. And I look off the side, and there's a kid, I'm, I'm guessing a third-grade boy, who looked very much like a third-grader. And what I mean, you know, as you get older, you develop your cool. Some of us, I know, we're still working on it. But as we get older... But a lot of third graders are just kind of, and I just remember having this thought. It may not have been the nicest thing in the world, but I remember thinking, look at that little dweeby third grader. Because he, he had his backpack on. Maybe he was in a growth spurt because his pants were just not the right length. And he was kind of waddling out waiting for the school bus because it's early in the morning. And there he was. And I just thought it wasn't a bad thought except for it was just acknowledging his little goofy little third grader. Just this thing. So I was thinking that. I'm trying to be a Christian. I try to. By the way, sometimes I try to be a Christian all day long. (laughs) Why not all day? So it was early in the morning, and so I actually kind of was talking with God, and I asked God this question, and I, I just casual, you know, because He's my Father in heaven. I said, I said, God, did I ever look like that? And you know what he said? I didn't think he'd answer. And you know what he said? He said, you still do. <laughs> and it was this reminder. See, God never. How do you know? We, we are just always his kids. And even on our best day, we're not all that cool. 
And we just need to be reminded, God's our Father and should remind us we should always be connecting to our Father. So that was the first, you know, idea of the Father affects our consistency. Another idea is it affects our simplicity. Maybe you've been around or you've prayed at times and you'll start your prayer something like this. Dear Sovereign, Holy, Almighty, Lord of the Universe. You ever done that, here, you know? Or maybe you even throw some King James in there. Oh, thou art. <laughs> right? Big name, awesome, holy, God. Right? Here's my idea. We know whenever you start with awesome, holy, Lord of the universe, it tends to lift God up and bring separation to where we live. But if you say, Father, you know what happens, at least in my prayer life? It closes that gap. Oh, wait. Now, yes, God is the almighty, sovereign Lord of the universe. But Jesus said, I want you to say, Father, so that I think it can decrease the distance. And I just want to be clear. If you hear nothing else, Jesus did not come die a horrible death on a cross so that you can still feel distant from the creator of the universe. He came and died on the cross for our sins that we could be forgiven and us feel close to the creator of the universe. And so he says, call him Father. Third idea, Father affects our confidence. Last Saturday night, it's probably in the afternoon when she contacted me, my daughter, 19 years old, goes to Bethel University here in town. Uh, I can't remember whether she texted me or she called me, and here was her request. She said, hey, Dad, is it okay if I come, uh, b- come out to the house tonight and bring some friends from college and we're going to, I don't know, eat pizza and have a bonfire and hang out at, at the house? And you know what I said? Yes. Why? Well, she's my daughter. Now, if after church, y'all come up to me and say, hey, after church, we're all going to come out with our friends to your house. And you know what I'll say? I'll probably at least have to think about it. Does that mean maybe we can work something out? I don't know. But, but, there, but, I, but, there's, a, but there's a somebody's going to ask me. I know they're going to say um, but there's a different response by nature. When my kids, by nature, does that mean I say yes all the time? No. But by nature, when my kids say, hey, dad, can we or will you or you know what my lean, my bent is? Sure. And I think that's one of the reasons God says, call him father so that we'll understand and recognize his bent is to say yes to our desires and requests. Luke eleven nine. Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. And he goes on to say, which of you fathers, he's looking at humanity, if your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Like that makes no sense. Even us, and we're not the best dads or moms in the world. But he says, if, and if you... If your son would ask for an egg, you wouldn't give him a scorpion. By the way, that text, it goes on to say, and you're evil, but you know how to give good gifts. How much more would I do? 
So it affects our confidence. And I want to give a little extra to this point on this confidence thing. So go with me on this. Confidence, it doesn't just give us confidence that he will say yes, but it gives us confidence that he can back up his yes. Not just say it, but he'll, he's also got the strength to back it up. So I had this uh, uh, um, idea. For those of you who like to dissect the scripture a little more, there's, there are other texts that talk about referring to God as Abba, Father. So in Galatians 4, 6, it says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. How many of you heard that verse before? A few? Okay, so Abba, and it's an emphasis on the, the, the tender, most intimate, close side perspective of God. It's the daddy God. Now, here's what I notice. That's not, that word is not included in the Lord's Prayer. And so here's my interpretation of that. Does that mean that God is not Abba, Father? Yes, he is. But when Jesus was talking about prayer, he uses just the big name for Father. So he doesn't overemphasize the intimate side. He includes the giant, big, all-encompassing Father. Does that make sense? And so here's what that brought to my mind. He's not just the intimate, I'll give you a hug, Father. He's the powerful, big Father as well. And then I had a strange thought come to my mind, so I'm just going to share it. A couple of months ago, I saw an image on Facebook of a friend of mine here at the church. He works, uh, he's on the usher team. His name is Shane Yoder. Here's a picture of him. And if you ever see Shane, that's Shane... And he was walking his daughter down the aisle, and she's going to get married. If you ever see Shane, you'll probably have this thought. This poor guy has too many muscles. <laughs> and you'll probably say, you should get prayer because there's too many muscles. He's just, and I talked to him earlier today. He just by nature is this, you know, big shoulders are way too wide. You know, he's one of those guys. But I had this thought when I saw their picture on Facebook. I thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool to be the child of a dad who was like, no, yeah, so wouldn't it be cool to be like a kid of the dad who, my dad can totally beat up your dad, like that'd be nice, that wasn't my, like my dad was, he wasn't a big guy, he was a great guy, but you know, if you, if you don't relate to the Shane story, you could also think of Pastor Jimmy, who uh, is at our Grape Road campus, have you met Jimmy, poor guy, he has legs coming out of his shoulders. <laughs> he totally does. If you ever see him, doesn't he, Alan? Yeah, I just look every once in a while. I think, man, genetics went wrong because that's a thigh. You have a thigh coming out of your shoulder. But he's got little kids, and I thought just about you know, Pastor Jimmy kind of neat every once in a while. If you were Pastor Jimmy's kids, you know, if Jimmy said, "Don't worry, I got your back," your kids would be like, "Yeah, Dad, like my dad. Look at his." Look at his legs coming out of his shoulders. Like, punch you up. So just in case you've never had a, a father, you think, well, that's just not the way. I just want you to know that you have a father in heaven that's all that. He's not just close friends, but he has the power to beat up that other dad. Or what, He's just that kind of a thing. And I think that's part of why uh, Jesus says, say, Father. So it starts with a relational title. Okay, we got to go. Number two, powerful prayer includes a section on holiness. 
Second thing Jesus says, say, Father. Then he says, hallowed be your name. Or holy be your name would not be a bad interpretation. And the word hallowed or holy is this. It means to consecrate, sanctify, set apart as sanctify, hollow. It means to purify. And I want to make a quick but very important point. might be new news to some of us. Our attention to our personal holiness will affect the power of our prayer life. Sorry, but I'm not sorry. It's just the reality. Our attention to holiness personally will affect the power of our prayer life. In the book of James, there's almost a must-know section of Scripture that talks about prayer. And as we look at it, about five times or so, it says pray. It's really saying you got to pray, 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 pray. So it says, if there anyone among you in trouble, then let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise, which is a form of prayer. Is anybody sick? Call the elders of the church to pray. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. And a lot of times we would be amiss to just focus on that and forget the last sentence of the paragraph. The last sentence of the paragraph says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your pursuit of holiness... Now, I, I want to try to keep this in balance. We're, none of us are going to be perfect. We need Jesus Christ to make us fully whole and all that. But our attention to trying to live a life that is godly and holy will affect the power of our prayer life. I thought of it this way. It just, th- this is just not the way it works. It's, it's if we are living in the land of immorality. I just made it up. The la- so we're just like living. So I don't know what your favorite sin is. Anybody want to share their favorite sin? Okay, didn't think so. But you know, like you're just doing this thing and you're just, you're still doing it. And you're like, I'm probably going to keep doing it, whatever it is. So you're just living in this land of immorality. Looks like this. I don't know, but you're just, right? Just fully engaged in, you're just, you're just going to gossip and that you're just going to keep doing it. You've been doing it for years. You're gonna keep you're gossiping. You're greedy. You just you'll you'll dismiss, instead of pe- instead of honoring people, you'll do whatever it takes to get the money. You're immorally, you're just doing immoral. You're you're looking at this and you're experiencing sensual things. And you're like that's not. But you're just still in it. And then see, here's what happens. But this does not work in prayer. We then we end up going. Oh gosh, I need God's help. And so we, for a moment, we leave the land of immorality, and we just run over here and go and say, hey, God, could you, because I'm praying for my kids, could you please help them? (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know that, all that stuff. So we go right back, I just did that, and that was, we are live streaming this. I am so sorry. But we just cuss out, we just cuss out the, you know, you go right from in the presence of God to back to dishonoring your spouse, back to cussing out the person who went in front of you. And I'm telling you, we are deceived if we think God will let us just do that and then say, oh, don't worry, I'll answer that prayer. He has a whole nother agenda when we move into his presence. I think he wants to go, stop, wait, 
What do you do? You, you're asking me to intervene on behalf of a bad situation, and you yourself are creating bad situations by the dozen because you're just living in your sin. And I'm telling you, we're deceived if we think that that kind of a prayer life works. Now, are we going to be perfect? I don't think so. But we need to be moving toward a life that cares about all that stuff and repents quickly when we, I don't know, whatever that thing is. That'll affect your prayer life. And, just to, and for me, you know what this means in my life a lot? I, I spend a lot of time repenting. You know, even for my thoughts. I think I'll start to go down. Oh, God, I'm just, just, just always just keep turning back. Where am I? Got all distracted there when I almost flipped off the church. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. I really don't know where we are. Point two. Powerful prayer includes a section on holiness. Point three. Moving right along. Powerful prayer. Oh, here we go. Moves beyond our wants and wishes. Hang in there for one more point, okay? Beyond our wants and wishes. This is the third concept Jesus brings up in the Lord's Prayer, which is your talking to God, your kingdom come to the earth. Story. It's not like I haven't told one already. Story. This last week, Sunday after church, I had, I had a three-day, three days of meetings, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Phoenix for a, leadership, a vineyard leadership thing. Side note, Phoenix, Arizona, weather, different than us. I took a screenshot of the weather prediction. That's for those of you who are from South Bend, Mishawaka, those little orange things, that's the sun. <laughs> it's the sun. I couldn't believe it. My wife and I checked. She got to go with me and we checked, hey, well, what's the weather supposed to be like? And she was like, look at this. It's just the same every day. The sun was out. So anyway, that didn't have anything to do with the message. Just made me sad that we live here and there's a whole Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So there's also a three-hour time uh, change. So we've, you know, left church, drove to Chicago, got on a plane, get there. Long story short, you know, it's, it was in the morning when typically I would want to stay in bed. I was up because it was wake-up time here but not wake-up time there. So every morning I'm up early this ended up basically giving me an extended time of prayer because I was wide awake. So I got up and uh, went out and sat in the same place every morning, and I watched the sun rise in Phoenix, which looks something like this every morning. It's just some of you are like, why do we live here? But what happened is as I got to, and I use the Lord's Prayer as a model for prayer, so I talked to my Father in heaven for a while, and then I... I, I prayed about my, my personal holiness and holiness in general. Hallowed be thy name. I got to your kingdom come. And because I had this extra 
time and emotional energy. I just spent more time at your kingdom come. And can I tell you what happened? I prayed about your kingdom come in specific areas. And then because I had these, I just had this time, it was like I began to get thoughts about things that were on God's heart. So here are some things that I prayed about because I had more time. I began to pray about unborn children that are still in their mom's womb and they're, they're, they're at risk for being aborted. I just thought, God, I just pray for every kid that's, you know, God, will you protect? From there, I also then began to pray for uh, women who have had an abortion. And I want to just emphasize, uh, I prayed for them. This is my observation as a pastor. Often, Did you know one in four women in America will have an abortion? And that means there's a whole lot of women who may need some prayer as God tries to draw them into relationship because you don't recover. This is my observation, at least with some uh, friends, women that I've known who've been through that. You don't just recover from that spiritually sometimes. Does that make sense? So I was like, I was like, oh God, for 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 just I just was praying, like God, help that situation. By the way, like in a room this size, there's some women who have been through that, gone through that. So I, maybe I was praying for you. Like, God, just help them. Not to, does that make sense? That's hard stuff. I prayed about violence. I just was like, God, it seems like people are awfully aggressive. I just checked online between services. There was another shooting in Texas last night at some party. And two people are dead and 14 people are wounded. You know, I'm like, oh. And so, I, by the way, did I know exactly how to pray? No. But I think in the midst of it, what else I prayed for? Violence, I prayed, uh, I began to pray for the next generation. Because I think that our young people are facing, by the way, we all face challenges. But I think perhaps they're facing more challenges. And in the midst of while I'm praying for those things, Here's the thought, the nudge, the feeling that I had. It felt like the Lord was a little bit pleased and kind of was saying this to me. Finally, we're getting to my list. Like I had prayed, in, I'd prayed my list, but it was like he was maybe appreciative and saying, thanks for praying. Those are things that are on my, my prayer list. Again, we're talking about Powerful prayer moves beyond just our wants and wishes and gets to the your kingdom come part. Now, for the sake of time, I'm just going to give you an assignment so we can get through these last fill in the blanks. The assignment is Matthew 16. Write down Matthew 16 and explore the story of when Jesus asks the disciples, so who do you say that I am? So this is well into Jesus' ministry. Uh, the disciples have been getting to know who God is, and this is a point where one of the disciples, his name's Peter, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter gets a glimpse of the big picture because Peter says, you're the Christ, son of the, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. By the way, that's a big picture moment. Peter's like, whoa, this is what God's agenda is. And notice when you study it this afternoon or whenever you look at Right after that big picture moment, Jesus says, 
I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, here's my idea. This is a new level of authority and power. When Peter sees the big picture, Jesus says, all right, I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to give you keys. You know what keys do? Keys open and close doors. That's what they do. It goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound, closed. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, opened. This is an authority impartation to the disciples. And the point is this. I think this is, this is fill in the blank. When Peter got the bigger picture, Jesus released the bigger power. It's this idea of, and it's an invitation to lean into prayer, create time and space so that you can add to your prayer list whatever God's prayer list is. That'll make a difference in our prayer life. Last fill in the blank. How much of my prayer time is allotted to God's kingdom? That's... Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.